0: Basketball teams are entering the final month of the regular season as they gear up for the playoffs. While some teams are locked to make the playoffs, others are still fighting for their opportunity to chase the trophy this summer. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. Turning $1 into $100 is simple. Pick any basketball team to win their next game. And if during that game the team of your choosing hits a three, you bring home $100 in free bets. That's 100 to 1 odds on the team of your choosing to hit a three. They don't even need the win. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if the basketball team of your choosing hits a three. That's code TBPN to turn $1 into $100 in free bets for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT.
1: It's a pair. Thirty-nine
0: points. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Process Potables, episode eighty-two. My name is Dan, and I am so happy to finally have my co-host back, who has been on assignment. I guess we could say, yeah, uh, for the past like month and a half. I think honestly, it feels like. Yeah,
1: your words in your text message to me was hibernation. Yeah, which I thought was good.
0: I, I I didn't know if that was a little too like you weren't being lazy at all. That's Uh, true. And especially coming from somebody who's unemployed. (laughs) I definitely don't feel like I have any right to say that you were the one hibernating as um, I've been doing my fair share of that for a few weeks now. So
1: yeah, but now I need a hibernation for my hibernation. Hate to be that guy, but Uh,
0: that is absolutely a very (laughs) real thing and I appreciate it. I have no issues with it. Uh, Man, we have a lot to do and a lot to talk about. So we're going to get right into it. Uh, I do want to, Officially, uh, welcome DraftKings Sportsbook to the pod, uh, being our sponsor. And uh, with that comes our addition to the Basketball Podcast Network. Uh, very excited to be a part of that. Uh, basically, an entire network of different NBA podcasts, pretty much like one for every market, more or less. So, we are the Sixers one for them. And I. Very appreciative of them for having us um, and for giving us an opportunity and for DraftKings as well for giving us an opportunity. So, again, if you didn't catch it at the top of the episode, if you use promo code TBPN at DraftKings, uh, you can get an exclusive offer for 101 odds on a team. All they have to do is make a three. So you bet on the team to win, and it doesn't even matter if they win or not. You bet on the team. They hit a three in that game. You get $100 in free bets. So make sure you check that out, and thanks to... Basketball Podcast Network for taking us on, and with that, I really want to talk about AC Beer Fest before we talk about the Sixers, because this is something that we've had on our calendar since, you know, before this time last year. We are actually uh, a little over a year from when it should have happened last year, and we were supposed to be there, and that would have been awesome, but, you know, COVID had had to screw everything up uh, for a lot of people, and again, you know, didn't want to complain too much because... A lot of worse things happen to people uh, than being inconvenienced out of the Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival, but it still sucked. Oh we're, yeah, it really sucked. We were gearing up for it, so we've been trying to figure out what's going on this year. Of course, it's June fourth and fifth at Bader Field in Atlantic City. It will go on. They will be doing you know COVID screening and everything like that. It's outside, thankfully, so that helps ease a lot of the burns and the pressure. And honestly, man, you know, as a guy who's been going as as a, as a patron for. I don't know, 5 or 6 years at least at this point. It's a great event. Great event. But being inside a convention center, like a very plain Jane kind of building like yeah. other than other than the event itself, like the aesthetics kind of whatever and it's like the beginning of April, so you know, you can have a good time in Atlantic City anytime, but you can't really like go to the beach. You don't really necessarily want to walk around outside. Most of time, especially at night, like even if you have nice days, it can get down the fifties and forties, you know, like best case. Uh, at night. Dude, we're doing this the first week of June outside. It's going to be an entire different animal. I'm very excited, but the biggest thing about AC Beer Fest is always the bands. Yeah the beer is great, but like the bands are what make it because you never see a beer fest that has this kind of entertainment value. And especially when you consider the combination of all the beer, all the activities that they have. I mean, there's, like, games going on. There's, They do, like, the silent disco stuff. They have, like, arcade games. They have events, all this stuff. And then you factor in the bands. And they just announced the headliners today. So I'm very happy to announce for anybody who isn't aware yet that on Friday night, the headliners for the 8 to 12 session will be Knucklepuck and the early November. So South Jersey's Zone, the early November, and then Knucklepuck, one of my favorite, like, newer pop-punk kind of bands uh, obviously like I'm an old head at this point and finding newer artists in that genre is difficult, but knuckle puck is one of the few and they are very good. It um, was supposed to be newfound glory last year. So obviously yeah, newfound, you know, not having newfound glory is tough, but knuckle pucks <laughs> a, a great replacement and them and the early November, you know, combined make for a hell of a show well worth the price of admission as well as the beer fest aspect of it. Saturday, the afternoon session, uh, they've played AC Beer Fest before. They love Atlantic City. I know. Uh, you know our guy Paul Brown has. I think has a good relationship with with some of, if not the entire band, but less than Jake, uh, backed by popular demand. And dude, like you know, I haven't listened to a full less than Jake album, uh, like a new album in I don't know how long, but I still. Can tell you that probably every week I'm putting on, you know, either Anthem or Hello Rock View okay. or Losing yeah. Streak. Like I still listen to a ton of Less Than Jake, and especially in that kind of environment outside early June, everybody's drinking. Like, you know, who, who's not down for a little bit yeah. of ska?
1: Now, here's what I'll tell you: I am not the biggest ska fan. I'm not a hater, but I'm just—it's just not my favorite. You know, ska. But what I think it's going to do in that kind of environment, that might be the closest we get to something like a warp tour, you know, being outside having all those beers. Now, it's not going to be packed and crowded like no one's going to crowd surf or anything like that. Uh, but, you
0: do not know that.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm sure,
0: and I'm saying with social distancing, kind of hope that they don't. But at the same time, that.
1: But well, has anyone also implemented a no, you know, stage diving, crowd surfing I, policy in these COVID? I, um, I don't know. I haven't been any shows. That's, this that's, is a whole new world. Yeah, That's to be determined, I guess. So, so
0: you know, again, uh, there will be, you know, to to the credit of Good Time Tricycle and the production company, uh, you know, there will be preventative things in place. There will be social distancing. There will be um, all those kinds of things. So this isn't some weird right wing free for all. Uh, obviously, we would not be going if that was the yeah. case because we have this... tried to do our best to be cautious and you know not do our live events and everything. But you know the world is healing; we're somewhat getting back to it. You're already fully vaccinated. You know, yep. I, guess, I, I a HIPAA violation. Yeah. To ask you that? I don't
1: know. No, oh, no, yeah, it's uh, okay. you, I'm fully vaccinated. Yeah, so. I get
0: my I get my second shot Monday, so Sweet. we'll we'll be good to go. I I don't know what producer Corey is doing. I don't think he's got anything yet.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, S- I sucks mean. To suck. Yeah, waiting, but him. you know, it's also like you know, Corey to wait last minute. Right. He'll, he'll be getting it next year when we're all getting like the boosters or whatever <laughs> new version we all need to get. So, for sure, yeah. Uh,
0: so that's on a Saturday night, of course. So, uh, Saturday the afternoon session is noon to four, and then the night session is six to ten. Six to ten is a band called uh, Face to Face. Uh, I looked them up, I've heard the name, but I, I definitely don't listen. I looked them up, they seem kind of like Alt rock, little punk rock kind of sound. You know, I was digging it. I, I'm I'm gonna give give them more of a listen. And that's one of the other fun things too, is like I've gone to sessions where I did, didn't necessarily know all the bands. Usually I will pick my session based off the band, but we also usually prefer going Friday night. So like I've gone Friday night in lieu of one in the see a band on Saturday because I'd prefer to go Friday night. So it all depends on your session. Obviously Saturday night being 6 to 10 on a Saturday night in June in AC. Like, that session is going to be a party either way. Oh, so,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, you know, eat, whether or not you really even care about the bands, And they still have to announce supporting acts and stuff. And they've had some really good supporting acts uh, in years before. Like, Hidden in View was a supporting act before. Oh, Obviously, wow. like I said, Knuckle Puck uh, is the headliner for Friday night, the early November. I guess they're calling them co-headliners. But you could consider the early November the support, I suppose. So, like, the support acts aren't just, like, some dorks from New Jersey uh, yeah. that, that they get to the play for free. They usually get really legit bands, and even if they are dwarfs from New Jersey, uh, that's okay, because, hey, so are we.
1: Yeah, exactly. And this is going to be sort of my first AC Beer Fest, Yeah, because the one time I sort of went was uh, Reggie Regina full effect was playing this either was a Friday... Oh, was it the That's, after that, party? That was the after party. Uh, I think it was okay. on
0: Saturday at the Mountain Bar. Right, I
1: remember it being Saturday. It, it's a and... free,
0: free after party, and they get yeah. another big band to play, and yeah, Reggie played.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I finally got to meet James Dewey's. <laughs> He was a uh, drunk as shit, yep. and uh, right. he was like, "Ah, when's whiskey fest?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh man, definitely their worst show, but it was still fun." Yeah, that's all that matters. Dude, a Reggie
0: show. I mean, you know even better than me. You've yeah, been, you've seen them more than me. Uh, there's not many bands we could probably say that about, but you've seen Reggie, yeah, <laughs> uh, significantly more than me. And yeah, but I've, I've seen them plenty in there, a good time. Last time I saw Reggie was, I don't know if it was that or if it was the uh, they played the Saves the Day. Through Being Cool one. It was Saves the Day. Reggie played a promotional copy. Right. And oh, who was the other? Oh shit. There's another band that played their album and I forget and it's really gonna bother me. Hmm. Oh man, that's gonna fuck me up. Okay. Anyway, I'm not oh, gonna. Oh, do-
1: and 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 that's when I found out that Through Being Cool wasn't a band. <laughs> like I thought I swore they were like a, a saves the day cover band. And I, I remember like we were talking like, oh yeah, I heard they're good, and you're like what? I'm like, yeah, like through cool being cool. They are they're a cover band right and you're like, dude, no. I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> I don't honestly
0: remember that, but it sounds like you a little bit. I'm oh, not yeah. gonna lie, so sorry. <laughs> uh but so very excited to be back at AC Beer Fest. Uh we will be there on the podcast, where we'll be at every session. Uh we should have tickets to give away as well. I'm still trying to figure out a lot of the logistics. Uh but less than 2 months, man, so we we got to get to work, but uh, you know, To get back in the spirit of that kind of thing, uh, you know, a lot of times when we're really trying to do Heavy Sixers Talk, sometimes we forget about our beer aspect a little bit, and especially with COVID and not being able to go to breweries and stuff like that. I think we've had a little bit of a laugh. We really want to get back to it. Uh, I gave you a beer uh, to talk about. I'm going to talk about this one that I'm drinking. This one, Wild Leap Brewing Company. It's called Partners in Crema. Crema? I don't know. Crema. I assume it's just Crema. Uh, is a coffee set with cocoa and coconut is 10%. I got this from Tavor. I've talked about Tavor on the podcast before. They are not a sponsor, but if you like beer and want to try stuff that you can't get in the area, Tavor is pretty cool. Um, basically, every day they you know put like three or four beers in this app throughout the day. You can get them or not get them. It doesn't matter. You can choose when your crate ships. It ships flat rate. So you can get as few or as many beers in as you want. You can keep pushing that date out, keep stocking it up with beer. Uh, so, I've been using that for, for a few months now and I've gotten some really great beers. Got a couple, you know, okay ones, but they do a great job shipping it, packaging it. The app's are really cool. There's like promo codes and whatever. I don't know what mine is. I'm not even going to try and plug it. Uh, if you want one, DM me. But uh, so, got this from them, been meaning to drink it. Uh, I have a lot of beers from them. I've actually been meaning to drink because, like, you can get like very unique flavors. Like, I have a bunch of, like, Uh, like brunch style ones like ones that are supposed to be like pancakes and, and cinnamon toast crunch and all this right up our alley. It's like, I don't want to drink those by myself. No, as much as I'm sure they're really good. So it's like, you know, I, I save them for special times, but uh, this is one I was saving, but when drinking on the pod, it is very boozy. And we talk a lot about flavors. And I I think you'll agree with me. See most of the time that, you know, a flavor that you don't particularly like outside of beer uh, often still can be very good in beer. Uh, in the right elements, and coconut for me is something I I absolutely hate. But I've had beers that have coconut that I I've enjoyed. Still, uh, this isn't really doing it for me. The booziness is kind of like throwing me off because it's really strong, and I haven't eaten much today. Full disclosure, but the uh, the coconut comes really strong at the end, and it and it's and it's a little too much for me. So. You know it's gonna fuck me up, and I'm happy about that, but uh the, the taste's not honestly doing it for me I yeah, try, try not- to be pretty nice i If you like coconut, you'd love the beer, yeah. unfortunately, this is one of those ones that then I can't get past it but um our friends at Kelly Green actually just sold out of this beer that I gave you, but I went and picked up a bunch. On pre-sale, and you have not had it yet, so please talk to us about this uh, new release from our friends Kelly Green Brewing in Pittman, New Jersey. Kelly
1: Green, who this is also a collaboration with our friends in Vinyl Brewing. That's right. Both two very, very fantastic breweries we We've both done in, uh, interviews at both places. Yes, right. So, um, vinyl brewing—it's weird that they're called vinyl brewing because everything in there is like wrestling themed almost. <laughs> um, so, this is the uh, infamous peanut butter thin mint stout. Um, didn't realize until the first few sips in that this is, I think, ten and a half percent. That's strong. AB. Yeah, this is yeah ten and a half percent. It's uh, definitely a strong boy. Um, It's interesting because before the show, we did talk about how this seemed to be really popular among a lot of people that we know, and I always, when when it comes to beers or really anything, there's, you know, okay, there's what everyone's saying, and then you have to consider, like, okay, what about the people I know and opinions who I really trust, you know? Right. And I think with beer, there's definitely things where everyone's just going to say that it's good and maybe they're either afraid or don't want to admit that it's not that good. So I'm not saying this is bad. Um, I think the th- the thing with me is that um, peanut butter, as much as, you know, we're both big peanut butter guys. Of course. Uh, and I, I like, you know, thin mint things too, but that's not an ideal, um, you know, combination for me. So I- I'm, I was skeptical going in, but, at the same time, if there's one type of beer where that is gonna be good, it's a stout, so
0: Yeah, see I I was so hyped for this and yeah. I I almost felt felt bad you know, I love Callie Green, but this one fell a little short for me. I don't really taste the peanut butter and that's really what I needed to put this over the top because you know, it's it's not a competition or anything, uh, you know, until they see Beer Fest when there's actually, you know, awards and voting and whatnot. Oh, right. But for now, not a competition. But our friends at Eaton Sand in Woodbury uh, a few weeks before this, made their own thin mint stout. Oh it's yes, just, they ju- did. Just your a regular thin mint stout, no peanut butter, but they nailed that fucking.
1: Oh god, thing. yeah, I gave that one a five on Untapped. Yeah, and it's very. Good. I do like. I think when I when I saw the other day, I only have ever given like eight or nine beers a five. Like uh, I'm pretty. I I just don't give them out. And a lot of people are quick to give that kind of rating out, but.
0: Funny you should talk about that. This is actually something that I think is a good conversation for us.
1: When I was doing my little
0: cross country road trip uh, with with our buddy Matt, we were talking about Untapped, and I was saying that like I don't really give anything under like a three. Now there's there's optics to that. Obviously, you know that was even before we were doing this podcast. But doing this podcast, I don't want to make any enemies. I want to be nice to everybody. We're trying of course, to promote yeah. all these places that, you know, everybody works really hard. And hey, I've worked in beer now. Like, I know how fucking hard it is. I know how much work it takes. Like, if you don't like a beer, you don't like a beer. But, like, yeah. that doesn't mean people didn't put a ton of work and effort into it. But besides the point, like, I think the only thing I gave under a three was like Coors Light. Cause literally, Coors Light is the worst beer I've ever had. And fucking don't sponsor us. I don't give a shit. Coors Light <laughs> is piss. Yes, I, I don't want your money. But. You know, he 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 brought up the point that you know you're not doing good breweries the the proper service by not giving them the high scores and by kind of lumping everyone into the shorter range that you have. And all this, so you tell me that you're you're not a guy that hands out a lot of fives. How are you as far as how low you go? Do you hand out a lot of low scores, or are you are you like me where you just kind of hang in that like mid range?
1: So I, I sort of do hang in that mid range. Usually, if I have a beer and I'm like, okay, this is this is fine. I don't love it. I don't hate it. That's usually around the. How that's usually a three for now? me. What the what hell is happening? It? I don't know.
0: Damn it! Freaking government it interrupting
1: <laughs> our conversation.
0: I was like, there is a cat in this room sometimes, and I was like, where the hell is it that the mic is
1: picking no, it up? No, kitty! God damn it, kitty is a bad kitty! Actually, kitty, you can have some of my peanut butter, thin mints out, out if you want. Oh, oh sorry. Wait, hey, is it illegal to get a cat drunk on air, or do we have to be off camera to do that?
0: Well, I'm pretty sure the camera aspect doesn't play into the law.
1: Oh, I thought it did. No, I'm, well, I'm just damn. not
0: sure if you can do it or not. <laughs> the but, camera would just be evidence, not a matter of law. Yeah. Anyway and untapped ratings
1: so to your point like you said i my whole thing with the craft beer industry is what i love about it is just about all of them are small business owners right. you, you've heard all the stories a lot of them are guys who quit their you know shitty nine to five job to have their uh you know dream come true of owning a brewery and
0: some of them still work it too that's what's even yeah. more uh enviable is there's a lot of guys that that's not like you know the guys that own breweries aren't aren't raking in money
1: like oh, no. most
0: of them. This is a side thing because they care about it. And yeah, the end game is to get there, but there no one gets there that that quick. Yeah,
1: and, and you know that's uh, that's with almost any small business too. Like it right. takes a long time to be very uh, profitable. So, and I can only imagine something like COVID how difficult that has made everything. So I I there may have been one or two occasions where I give a like a craft beer below a three, okay. you know, just cause I don't want to be that guy. Like you see on Yelp, like he had a bad experience and he right. was already having a bad day. So for whatever reason, he had to take that in account by giving someone, you know, a rating that had nothing to do with it. Like, so, um, but when it comes to like, uh, you know, popular national commercial beers, like a Coors Light, I, I give, I, it's like usually a two, yeah, so okay. yeah. And I actually, I think the only beers I've given a one or less to are like, um, like the the seltzer water beers. You know, uh, I seltzer just, water beers, <laughs> yeah, whatever you <laughs> want to call them. Uh, uh, people are getting drunk off water, not my thing. So,
0: want to give a shout out to our friend Brandon Apter of the Garbage into Gold podcast. What's up, Brandon? Uh, if you are looking for even more Sixers content, Brandon does a great job over there, part of uh, PHL Sports Network. So. You can check them out. He's hanging out with us here in the Twitch chat. He said he missed you, Steve.
1: Oh, I missed you too, Brandon.
0: Uh, he's never said that to me, so it kind of hurts, but oh, man. he probably you know, deals with too much of me to ever miss me, so I get it. Uh, he says he's drinking Moscow Mules. I've never had a Moscow Mule. Have you?
1: I don't think I have, no. Cool. Well, then we have no frame of reference yeah. nor an opinion. What's exactly in it?
0: You're asking me when I just said I haven't had it?
1: Oh I thought maybe you knew it. <laughs> I, I have no oh.
0: idea. Fine, I'll jump on the Google yeah. machine. I mean,
1: I've had a lot of Manhattans that the I like.
0: Moscow Mule is a cocktail made with vodka, spicy ginger beer, and lime juice garnished with a slice or wedge of lime. It is su- it, it is a type of buck, therefore sometimes called a vodka buck. Oh. The Moscow Mule is proper popularly served in a copper mug, I can read which takes on the cold temperature of the liquid. It sounds like a lot of work, and it sounds like you're just getting, like, a vodka soda.
1: Yeah, I feel like I've had that, but uh maybe they had to name it something because I've been noticing that a lot recently. Go to bars or restaurants. What's normally a, a Manhattan, they give it some other name because they slightly, tra- you know, change one ingredient and feel the need to rename it. Or, you're a big
0: Manhattan guy now?
1: Yeah, so... I mean, I won't say I'm a big man.
0: Been ordering a lot of Manhattans, huh?
1: That's really my only uh, frame of reference for a mixed drink. You know, other <laughs> With with all things non beer, it's either that or I go with a uh, single malt scotch. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm
0: an old fashioned guy myself. I like yeah. a Manhattan here and there. Unfortunately, Manhattan seems to be the one at uh, at weddings they have instead of an old fashioned. So it's usually yeah. pretty annoying that they don't have the correct option. But Don't get me
1: wrong, I, I love some old fashions. That's right.
0: All right, so we are allegedly a Sixers podcast, so mm. we will move on to some Sixers talk, but uh, a lot of good stuff there on the beer front, so that makes me very happy. Uh, we are going to move on to Sixers-Nets, uh, if somehow you missed this already, the Sixers with a 123-117 win over the depleted Brooklyn Nets, and this game was frustrating, Uh Steve, I'll, I'll ask you for your opinion in a second, but the long story short is that the Sixers were well in control of this game. The only person on the Nets who was able to do anything for the majority of this game was Kyrie Irving, and the Sixers had stretched this game out to, uh, boy, at least 18. Uh, it may have been in the 20s at some I point. I think it
1: was 22 yeah. at some point with like eight minutes left in the fourth.
0: Yep. Yeah, that late a lead that big, and this got down to a one possession game uh, with under two minutes, and was incredibly scary. We all were kind of thinking, with you know about eight, seven, six minutes left in that fourth quarter, that Joel Embiid wasn't even going to have to re-enter the game. Um, you know, he had already he had scored thirty seven through like the first three quarters, and I'm going to get to this later, but Doris Burke talking about how Joel Embiid had been stuck at thirty seven when he hadn't played for several minutes, uh, is just, you know, strike one of seventeen in my Doris Burke shut the fuck up agenda that we're gonna get to. Yeah. But that's for later. Uh the Sixers do hold on, but no James Harden, no Kevin Durant, no Blake Griffin, no Lamarcus Aldridge, and they almost upset you in a game that you really need to ensure that you hold on to the one seed. Steve, what were your takeaways from this game?
1: So my takeaways were, uh, one, and I know we'll get to this, but it looks like Embiid uh, literally scared Aldridge into retirement. So, um, you know, thoughts and prayers. Careful, careful. I was, I feel like it's kind of become the popular thing now, especially on Twitter, where the news comes out that, you know, all those guys around people like this feels like a loss. And I was definitely that guy. I was like, we're, we're, we're going to lose this game. And sometimes I, I put myself through that just because, you know, when they do win, it's like, Oh, look, they won in a way they exceeded my expectations and I won't get disappointed. Um, and now while the game was on, I was at the union game and, uh, it came a point where the union were up like three nothing, so I checked my phone and I was like, Oh, okay, they're six are up twenty two with eight left. Right? Like, yeah, you're showing done. Done.
0: Well, let me ask you a question real quick before I forget. Union game, were you able to buy beer without food?
1: Uh I didn't buy a beer, so I no no no. But no, do no. you know if you could? Yeah.
0: Because it's not in Philly. Yeah. Son of a bitch.
1: Yeah. Cause cause uh Cassie bought a um, a hard seltzer and motherfucker, fucker, Yeah. Man. So right, I'm
0: going, I'm only going to union games from here on now. Yeah. Sorry. Continue.
1: Um. So, yeah, you know, but then it's just like 10 minutes go by and I'm like, all right, let's see, is this game over? And I'm like, Why the fuck are they only up by six with like three minutes left? Like it's I
0: was I was all ready to go to I was gonna jump back on Twitch and talk some shit and then the game took like twenty minutes longer than I anticipated at that point and all the energy got drained out of me and I was pissed off and I was tired and I'm like, you know what? Taking an edible and I'm going to bed. Fuck this shit. Like don't have the energy for it. We'll talk about it tomorrow, I'm sure. And here we are. So (laughs) uh yeah, the I mean It's hard to properly look at this game knowing that that version of the Nets is not at all what you're going to see in the playoffs. But you needed to win this game for the one seed. And that's the biggest thing, and you took care of business. And other than that, I don't care. And it's funny that now there's, of course, this was going to happen no matter how the game went, no matter what what the final outcome was, other than a Nets win, of course. But any Sixers victory was going to be met with, oh, it was only our bench, it was mm-hmm. all and now yep. not, not only is it, oh, you only beat our bench, it's our bench almost beat you, and I hate to break it to anybody. I'm, I can't imagine anybody is here who's not a Sixers fan, but if you're not a Sixers fan, I hate to break it to you, but it's only teams' benches that beat us. It's never the good teams. <laughs> it's never the stars. It's always the seventh guy on the bench going for 50 when everybody's out and we're supposed to win the game, and we play down to our competition, that those things happen. So this isn't anything new. Yep. You were supposed to win that game, and you fucked it up. Now you've lost the season series. You're a full game back in the standings. You have a significantly more difficult schedule than the Sixers going forward, and I hate to break it to you, but I've been saying it all season. If you have to come to Philly for Game 7, you're getting fucking smacked, brother. Mm -hmm.
1: One th- just one thing I found so funny, and I don't know if you saw it. I, I don't know the kid's name, but there's this uh, quote-unquote lifelong Brooklyn Nets fan, like this course, 15-year-old yeah. kid. He's like...
0: <laughs> what's, what's lifelong Brooklyn he's like, Nets? That's like seven years?
1: Yeah. Like, cool, yeah, cool, bro. And he was like, <laughs> I just love how like the Sixers almost got beat by our bench and Kyrie Irving. Right. And here's my one thing. If, if I'm a real Nets fan... I'm pissed off at Steve Nash for not having Durant play that game Whoa. because I I know the whole back to back thing and everything, but it just seemed like.
0: Can we talk about who who do you think has more to say in that Steve Nash or Kevin Durant? Because I think it's Kevin Durant. Oh,
1: absolutely. So yeah,
0: like I think if Kevin Durant goes to Steve Nash and says I want to play, Steve Nash plays him. Yeah, I don't I don't know that. I'm merely speculating.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, So, I'm, I'm definitely not
0: going not, not to kill Steve Nash for that one.
1: Yeah. I th- yeah, I mean, he's it almost seems like he's not even a head coach. He's just like a placeholder. Yeah, that I agree with. So, uh, but I would be, and it seems like the Nets, and, you know, especially their fans are like, oh, we don't care about seeding. You know, we just want to be healthy for the playoffs. But what we've been talking all season is that, You know, 1A and 1B are the Sixers and Nets. Mm -hmm. However, you know, or you have Nets and Sixers, whatever. Sure. Then there's Milwaukee. Still really good, but, you know, a peg down from us. And then the rest of the Eastern Conference. Okay. So, if the Nets finish I disagree on Milwaukee,
0: but I know I'm in the minority there. So, yes. Yeah, but, like, in a general perspective, you are correct.
1: And, you know, it's just... And let's say we um, – and, and it's not only like Milwaukee because I, I think a lot of people are a lot more scared of them than they should be. Do uh, you
0: think people are more scared of Milwaukee than they should be?
1: I think some people are.
0: But you just said that the, that the, we just agreed that the perception is that they're a pig below us and then that's
1: – Right, because I, I feel like th- there's, still kind of, there's this sense of you know not being able to get past the second round and for some reason Miami – or Miami, Jesus Christ, Milwaukee, you know, stopping us for whatever reason. But, but regardless, no.
0: Well, well, let's talk about it because that's literally my point. I'm I'm scared of Milwaukee still. Oh, you I, are okay. I am. I,
1: I thought I thought you were indicating the opposite. No, okay. I'm saying
0: I don't have them a peg below us in the nets, and I've been pretty confident about us holding up against the nets for most of the season. Milwaukee still scares me because I don't know, man. Okay. Like they've they're deep, and I think that for the fact that. Yes, it's, it's impossible to say that you could guard all three of the Brooklyn stars all at once. I don't think you have, like, the one answer for Giannis still. Yeah. Like, Embiid has shown flashes, and Ben might be able to hang a little bit, but, like, if Giannis has himself, like, a, a great series, I I it still scares me a little bit. And I think that that's, like, more of a like, one single issue than any one Brooklyn single issue is.
1: Oh, wow, okay. Uh,
0: and they also, like, they just they don't really have the answer for Embiid, but Brooke Lopez is uh, significantly more of an answer than anybody on Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, that's true. Which, which we'll talk about, too. But let me ask you this, because I've talked about this to a lot of people on the pod uh, in your absence, so I definitely want to ask you the same question. I guess... In, in you can answer it in more of a broad uh, statement, but the way I generally I'll, I'll also give it to you how I, I tend to break it down to make it more clear for everybody. You're like, how much do you value the one seed, for the Sixers specifically? Like, do you think that it's it's really important for them, or would you still have a lot of confidence in, in them if they end up being the two seed? Which, again, just because you're the two seed doesn't necessarily mean that you won't even play at home in the conference finals, because for no. all you know, the one doesn't even get there. But, uh, the way I've put it is that let's 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 lose the Milwaukee argument for a second because again I I'm in the minority there. I think I have them a little higher than most people. Uh, I think the general consensus is Sixers Nets are are pretty close, and most of the NBA experts still seem to have the Nets, you know, almost like an entire peg higher than the Sixers, which I think we would both disagree with. So we can kind of ignore that. But if you told me that it's going to be Sixers-Nets in, in the Eastern Conference Finals, and it's going to go seven games, and game seven's in Brooklyn, I'm giving the Sixers like a 20% chance to win yep. that game. Mm-hmm. If you're telling me it's in Philly, I'm it's at least 50-50, and I think I might lean a little over 50 for the Sixers.
1: Yeah, and dude, I... I... I know I'm gonna give people flashbacks, but going back to that game seven loss in Toronto. Like I'm sorry, but You you have to drink.
0: You have to drink. (laughs)
1: You brought
0: up you brought it up, you have to drink.
1: Hey, sometimes you have to go through the tough times to, you know, be a better person or some shit like that. Bad times
0: don't last, but bad Bad guys guys do. do. Exactly.
1: And both teams played like dog shit, but you know, just with the benefit of hindsight and just you know play having that thought process of well, if they play that at home is is are we going to be playing much better i I think we do, and I think there's also kind of like this um there's also i don't know if I want to call it like a hurdle or like a mental hump that they need to uh, cross at some point, but the sixers have you know for the past few years playoff team they've been really 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 good. But we quite haven't been great. Okay, Embiid is having an MVP caliber season. Right. It, it, you know, before his injuries, I, I he maybe not the consensus number one because people want to hate on Philadelphia and Embiid. But well, wow. we're gonna talk about that. You know, he was number one, and I know Embiid. It seems like every year, and especially uh, last year, uh, he said his goal is to finish. You know, the number one seed and having sixty wins in the season. Um, so I just think little things like that, you know, like the win total, the number one seed in the East, I think kind of earning your way in a playoffs by getting those kind of milestones, I think is going to help them mentally to prepare. And hopefully that leads to less of a lapse of, uh, you know, just playing shitty, really, you know, playing shitty in the playoffs. So, and I just think, you know, whether it's, the, it's Milwaukee or Brooklyn or, you know, really whoever, If they have the home court advantage, that's one less thing that I think we're going to have to worry about because this team is definitely, I know with a lot of things, people harp on it too much, but just like, you know, mentally, it's really, really important for this team, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree too, and I think that you could very well see uh, a lot of mental fragility and collapsing occurring in Brooklyn in a Game 7 where hopefully... You know, right now, uh, what are they letting in? Like maybe like thirty three hundred fans into the center something or something like, like that, that yeah. right now. Uh, you know, hoping that maybe come, you know, May and June, maybe we're up to like five thousand, maybe a little bit more, uh, depending on the city. But, you know, it's still been plenty loud in there. The the fans are definitely making noise. The players are acknowledging it. So it's a very real thing. So uh even even with it not being at full strength, obviously we know Philadelphia is gonna bring it uh, you know, just as much, if not more, than anybody else. So uh, like I said, I think home court.
1: So l- let me ask you, I don't, I'm kind of going back a little bit, but apparently a lot of people are mad that we didn't play Durant and Harden and everyone else because, you know, <laughs> of the whole competition thing. I don't give a fuck. I'm like, yeah, like I that's what the playoffs are for. don't
0: give like, a fuck. Like this is yep. the NBA. And listen, not like, only, not only did you need to win the game, which, again, like as far as a regular season game goes, ridiculously important. Full game ahead in the standings. Now you win the season series, which is a tiebreaker. You're up to 1. You don't play them again. The other thing that isn't getting talked about, which is something I've been saying for a while now, but like specifically for this game, is even if you're saying, I wanted to play them, I wanted to see it, whatever, whatever. Every game that passes that those three don't play together mm-hmm. is another game that they don't get to figure anything out. Yep. It's another game that they don't build That's a any good point. chemistry. Like, I, I had written, and this is still the case at this point, that Kevin Durant hasn't played more than six consecutive scheduled games since 2019. That's a long time. And you're talking to me about Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals? Is that going to assume that he doesn't play Game 3 and Game 6? Like... What are they, yeah. they going to do? James Harden has flamed out in almost every playoff run he's ever had, and now he's going to go in less than 100% because this is a hamstring.
1: Yep. We don't see a lot of hamstring injuries
0: Dude, in the NBA.
1: I feel like that's all we talked about last year with Josh Richardson like the hamstring thing like he, he, but even he never him,
0: but even for him like he was playing through it and looked fine he just played like shit yeah. and we were kind of using that as an excuse but you're going to tell me that a guy with a track record of not showing up later in the playoffs is now going to go in with a lingering hamstring injury and and be at his best i don't think so and and like i was saying we rarely hear about hamstring injuries in basketball they exist so often in football and they linger and they mm-hmm. never fucking get healed and guys always come back early and then they always go back out well you know what sport i imagine it's probably the same if not worse for is basketball yeah and james harden's a guy who logs not only a ton of minutes but a ton of miles yeah like like that's all he does. Whether you want to make all the fat jokes in the beginning of the season or you want to be wrong about him being able to pass, like the guy needs to be able to move. He's not a, a stand-in-place guy, and there's no way you're going to be able to convince me, even though he's arguably maybe the greatest scorer in NBA history, that you could basically like put him in a corner or have him stand in place and be an efficient player. It's not his game. He's never done it, and, and I don't believe he could do it. I, no. think, that, I think that it'll be a huge issue. And so, like, who knows what you're going to get out of these guys. So, again, every, like, even even the games that aren't against us, again, we don't, we don't play them again the rest of the season. We don't have to worry about it. But every single game that they go from here on out where all three of them don't play is one less game they have left to try and get it figured out before the playoffs. They're going to have to go into the playoffs and learn how to play basketball. Yeah. You're screaming for an upset. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm betting on it. But I just, like, when you're talking about all the fear – that it seems like Sixers fans have and that the national media is creating that we're supposed to have for that team, I would be scared if I was the Nets. And I would be scared about, you know, a Celtics team being the 7th
1: seed. I was about to ask you, if, if a team like the Celtics, who pretty much have had this same team all year and you know if there's one thing about Brad Stevens he you know what you're going to get those guys play together like they have a system in place you have, and you
0: have Jalen Brown and Marcus yeah. Smart who can match up with at least two of those three guys you have Brad Stevens who all jokes aside is a, is a pretty decent coach if, if not better and here's the thing when we're talking about all, all these fan hypotheticals and oh I wanted to face the Nets at their best uh, oh I want Durant and Harden to play like I've also heard, like, not so much lately, but at some point this season, people being like, oh, like, I wouldn't mind seeing the Celtics in the playoffs because we need to address that. And it's like, the fuck we do? Yeah,
1: we're good. <laughs> I still
0: don't want to play Boston. Yeah. I am fully willing to, like, admit that, like, because of the fact that even, you know, we've had their regular season number for two seasons now, and last season you can make all the arguments you want. We still had Al Horford. Ben Simmons was hurt. They still racked us in the playoffs. Yeah. Man. I I don't, you know, if we played Boston, yes, I think we win the series. I'm not afraid to that manner, but it's not something I'm wishing for because you just don't wish that kind of thing upon yourself because then if you don't get the result you want, dude, you have no one to blame but yourself. So I'm not asking for a Celtics matchup. Give me me the Bulls. Give me, like, the fucking Knicks, and then give me whoever survives. Oh, you're you're not afraid
1: of of Laurie Markkinen?
0: Yeah, Yeah, okay.
1: For some reason, well, like three is he days even playing before, the, at this point, yeah, I don't know. It feels like it's, a week or two it's, leading it's, up to the trade deadline. People, Oh, Larry oh, Market, and he be good. I'm like, no, I'm like, yeah, no. Really? I mean, well,
0: Levine's out for several days now for, for protocol, and Vucevic is there, my guy. But without Levine, yeah, I mean, who knows if they can even hang um, in like a ten seed, dude? So. Can
1: Can you imagine this dream scenario? The Nets getting the Knicks, so you get your national, you know, New York versus New York rivalry serious. I literally bullshit. could not give less of a oh, shit. Man. But but but, could you imagine them losing in five games to Tibs Knicks because they just lock no, them down I, I defensively? Absolutely cannot imagine. No, it. and then for only the Knicks to like get swept in the next round because they're too tired okay. from all the defense they played. You know, just. You know, for some, you know, maybe for some reason, uh, Taj Gibson finds a fountain of youth and can stop Durant. Pipe well, dream, yes, but
0: yeah, uh, I, th- I think it was a uh, like uh, what's the deal, like Mike Mike Chiodo or whatever. He is I think he works for Sixers Sense or something. Yeah, He's a Sixers Twitter guy. Um, He put that, like, the Sixers-Knicks five-game series would be the most excruciating, like, five-game series win ever. And I was like, you know, like, that's true, but also Julius Randle will miss two to three go-ahead or tying shots at the end of games. And I'll just laugh all the fucking way home because there was that power rankings, like, a week ago that was going around the internet of the top power forwards in the NBA. And Tobias Harris was, like, ninth, and Julius Randle was, like, fourth. Fucking yeah. embarrassing! The Tobias disrespect is no longer happening in Philly, but it's still happening mm-hmm. across the league, and it's pissing me off. Although
1: that dude, could you imagine? You know, we uh, we uh, have a, a gentleman sweep with the uh, Knicks, and uh, Tobias just gets to tell Randall, "You and your all star bid can go fuck off. I'm gonna get myself <laughs> a ring."
0: My, uh, my 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 hot take for the playoffs is that the Sixers will not sweep anybody. They won't sweep the first round. They won't sweep the second round. And, obviously, whoever they play in the conference finals, you wouldn't expect it. But there's no way this team has shown me any uh, – has given me any reason to believe they can be consistent enough to beat any yeah. bad team in four games. If if some, really if
1: some asshole starts, you know, quoting the fo 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 Moses Malone, I'm going to slap the fucking shit out of you because you know that's just going to, you know, that's going to be some bullshit karma we'll get later.
0: Yeah, we're going to have a lot of slapping to do either way, I think. So save your energy, oh, yeah. my friend. But so real quick, um, you know, Still hanging with Sixers and Nets a little bit, but getting out of that. So, LaMarcus Aldridge uh, retired. You made the joke that everybody was making originally, which everyone had to go back and delete, mainly because Sham Sharani needs to be in fucking jail uh, for tweeting out simply that LaMarcus Aldridge was retiring with no context whatsoever mm. because he wants to break the story. So, of course, so like... Dude, how could you not immediately see that and say, yeah, Embiid made him want to retire? Like, it's right there. And, like, Shams knew what he was fucking doing, man. Because this is what happens is people paint this narrative of Philadelphia fans and how we are. But, like, then there's no context. We have no idea why he's retiring. So, like, you know, you can't be sensitive to it without information. Like like maybe you're supposed to wait I don't know but like fuck that dude we live in an age where like if there's a joke to be made and you could be the guy to make it and yep. especially when we're just talking shit about sports like it's not like they were like Lamar- he, it's not he reported Lamar Jackson died and we were like oh he killed himself over not wanting to yeah. play in B like he, you know he's talking about retirement it's not the same thing then you find out he had like an irregular heartbeat and uh, you know he doesn't want to play with that and it's completely understandable and so many Sixers fans deleted their tweets and walked it back and were like oh we did didn't know, like trying to do the right thing, and then of course you get those few people that find ones and are like, "Look at Philly fans trying to dunk on LaMarcus Aldridge for having." It's like, no, 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 that's not fair, man.
1: But yeah, but, but some people on Twitter just exist to do that, right? I but, know, like uh, I mean,
0: Twitter's a cesspool that I can't log off of. Yeah,
1: so two or it. three weeks ago, someone responded to me from a tweet I had three years ago. Oh boy. When uh, Atlanta drafted Luka and then traded him to Mavs, I'm like, oh, they're
0: still one of the worst trades in NBA history. Yeah.
1: Like, I was like, oh, they said the same thing about, um, I just started naming uh, white European guys who had all the hype and uh, like Darko Milicic. I think mm-hmm. that was, I said, oh, how many times have we heard about this? And, you know, he, this fact, you know, white kid and you know just tearing up in in spain which is like supposed to impress me or anyone else and i'm like like really like you had to go back like a tweet from like like what do you do believe in luca
0: no i will get dunked on pleb no i'm just kidding that's fine (laughs) whatever but but
1: so i still smash his mom uh,
0: yeah that's a whole other story did you see the the luca game winner last night yeah. That was fucking ridiculous, it's right?
1: stupid. But
0: LaMarcus Aldridge, so, yeah. um, you know, like, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I've talked to a couple of people about him today. Like, I was always a big fan of LaMarcus Aldridge, and I actually said, you know, that I thought he would have been a really interesting buyout candidate for the Sixers, and, that, you know, not that there was any news about him coming here, nor did I think he would, but I really thought that he could have been a really nice player, and, you know, I guess they dodged a bullet, so to speak. But, you know, you growing up as a uh, as a big man, uh, who also you know ha- had a mid-range game and everything. Like I feel like there's a lot of Marcus Aldridge, Aldridge to your game. So, oh, you know, like what's that. your uh like what's your kind of take on his career like you know, were you a fan of him at any point uh, and like just your thoughts on the fact that you know he's got he's got to hang it up here.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's you know all jokes aside, it, it's really unfortunate. That sucks. I mean, he he signed with the Nets a team where you know, this would probably been his only chance of, you know, getting a ring and you know, it just And it's just like that. So it sucks. And I think what he's going to unfortunately fall victim to is he's, you know, a great player. He made all these all-star games and everything. And I just think a lot of people aren't going to recognize how good he is or uh, years from now, they're not, you know, he might not be as remembered as much or, you know, something like that just because he played in uh, Portland at, you know, just a really small market and I think that combined with, you know, I mean, listen, we all love Dame, you know, right. like no one can deny that. And nope. I, so so his kind of, you know, run his prime preceded, you know, Dames. And I think that might, I could see that being kind of overlooked, but it, it shouldn't like he, Lamarcus Aldridge was a, you know, a great center. Like he definitely had a, a few years where he was, uh, he was probably the best center in the league.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I look at him more as a power forward for most of his prime. I think the center stuff yeah, became aging in San Antonio. But yeah, I mean, I think before we really got to the point of like tweeners, he was definitely kind of in between. He always could have done a little, little bit of uh, everything. But yeah, I mean, you look back and like I don't even know if I would remember that. You know, he had five straight seasons. One, two, three, four. yeah, five straight seasons averaging over twenty-one points a game for a big man in a league that was starting to get away from that because, yeah. really, his prime kind of lined up with the league getting away from exactly. the shots. Yeah. I mean, you, you'd probably put his prime as being, you know, 2010 to 2018 or so. And the uh, the the thing that always stood out to me was when you, you had Dame and, and you had McCollum, and, like, this just kind of speaks to to the Blazers never really wanting to, like, put it all together and really make a run. Like, it seems like the, the Blazers have always been willing to just be that, you know, first-round, like, uh, upset machine and dwindle out in the second. And when they got rid of LaMarcus Aldridge, it really felt like you weren't doing those guys any favors because he was a guy that could do all this without being incredibly ball-dominant. Um, yeah, You know, he's he's always been, like, an... Above average defender. I wouldn't, you know, he's definitely not an all-NBA defender or anything, but he, he was never a guy that seemed like you could go after. Like it just didn't seem like there was a weakness in his game, uh, to me. Yeah. And it it the the move to San the move to San Antonio made so much sense for the Spurs, it never made so much sense to the Blazers for me. But it was unfortunate because while he was such a perfect player for the Spurs, he really came to the Spurs when they were falling off,
1: yeah and uh, and I feel
0: like that's the worst thing for his legacy is that he went to that yeah. dying Spurs team and didn't really do them any he didn't hurt them, he didn't do them any favors no, either.
1: and i I mean, I guess we're looking at this with a a, a national lens per se since sure. we're not there, but, but i yeah, I' never a sixers, so yeah what? I know uh, apparently some people in San Antonio don't hold him in high you know very high regard. And there's a whole uh, – one person I know in particular He's like, oh, no, man, like a lot of us down here, we just – he never wanted it as much, you know. He was supposed uh, to be the heir to Duncan, and I'm like – See, that, like, see that's where I was about to go. Yeah, I was it, like – It's really unfair yeah, like, that he
0: has to follow – Tim in like a, Duncan
1: in, did, in, like
0: – Yeah, in like a uh, – David Robinson, Tim Duncan, right? They have to compare to that like,
1: passing of the torch. Come on, that's like, not fair? Like, yeah, that's not fair. And
0: it's like, he didn't even get like drafted there to do that. Like, he got traded there no. from like a team that, like, I think a lot of people thought that he might actually like and like finish his career with. Like, I, yeah. I thought that you know that Portland like uh, trio was was gonna be there a while. Like that, they would really try to work around that and stick together. Yeah,
1: that 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 definitely falls in you know the you know file that and trades that don't make sense. Just because, I mean, for a team like team in a market like Portland, you 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 kind of do what uh, what Oklahoma City did years ago. You you got to build through the draft, you know. You and, got.
0: And here's the here's the last thing I'll say about the trade. And here's the thing that I think is like,
1: yeah, you you don't get like you don't get credit
0: for this at, at the end of the day, but like, Popovich definitely has a lot of say in that in that front office for sure, and. Anytime they go get, anytime they bring somebody in, like, I truly think that you can, like, unless it's, like, a salary dump kind of deal. Yeah. When you make a deal for a guy that's a legitimate player, I think that usually says something about him that, like, you know, Pop must see something in in him. He must be a Pop kind of guy. He must, you know, be something, somebody that they like in that system. And he had plenty of success there, so that proved to be true. And, like, if I was an NBA player, like, outside of winning a ring or, like, tons of individual accolades or things like that. Like one of the best things you could, you can be as a, is a, is a pop guy. Oh yeah. So like, if anything, like you can hang your hat on the fact that like, I, I think that he was a guy that Greg Popovich definitely wanted to get in there. He was a guy that worked in that system really well. He's a guy that, that showed that, you know, even in his later years, he was still able to be very productive and you know, it's a shame. He's not going to get the ring chase this year, but unfortunately since it would have came at the expense of us, I honestly don't really give a shit. So yeah. Uh <laughs> We'll move on, talk about talk about big men a little more. I want to talk about Doris Burke, but you're at the union game, so you didn't actually see the the broadcast, so I feel
1: like although I I do have like a, a quick funny comment when, Oh good, that's uh, good. At the 'cause this is the uh, Doris Burke Shut the Fuck Up Challenge segment. <laughs> this was when I was watching uh, the highlights from the game last night and uh Embiid makes uh, this was either in the late third quarter or early fourth he makes this kind of like... Uh, he wasn't in in the early four, so it's definitely the third. Okay, yeah, so it's definitely the end, towards the end of the third. He kind of made this, like, fadeaway uh, jumper close to the baseline, and uh, it, it was just funny hearing, you know, oh, Joe Harris comes out to, you know, help defend uh, Embiid with, uh, <laughs> you know, DeAndre Jordan, and I'm like, wait, are... are I'm like, bro. Like, you're really gonna make it seem like Joe Harris is going to be like Joe Harris plus DeAndre Jordan. Like, I don't know if they equal one whole defender. They don't. Like, you know, to, like that's not help. Like, that's. no,
0: no. If you watch DeAndre Jordan in that game at all, there's there's definitely no help yeah. that came from him in anything. And and uh, you know, one quick note on that was uh, I was talking to people last night when I was watching the game. So I know the the clips going around, but there's a, there's a moment where Embiid's about like twelve feet from the rim. And he's facing up with DeAndre, and he pump-fakes him into oblivion. And then he goes and puts a 2 handed dunk in. And I'm sitting right here at this desk, and I'm watching on my monitor. And I see him, and I see the pump-fake. And as soon as DeAndre Jordan leaves his feet, I go, oh, no. Because I knew that violence was about to come. Oh, yeah. And credit to Embiid, because he didn't, you know, he could have probably gone for, like, a windmill and, like, possibly dislocated a knee. And he took a nice, safe two-handed dunk, but, like... When DeAndre Jordan left his feet, I just had, like, like Vietnam shell shock flashbacks. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Like what, like, what are you doing, baby? Yeah. Uh, but, dude, Dorsburg was un-fucking-bearable. I know that it's very uh, popular to try to dunk on national announced teams and stuff. But I tend to give a lot of them a lot of credit. And I'm, like, I'm normally not a guy that, like, feels like I need to turn it off. Like, usually I'm fine with it. I don't really mind. And, and this is going to be unpopular But like, if I have the option for both, like if I can get the local broadcast or the national, a lot of times I go national. Really? And that's not because it's better; it's because I want to hear the perspective. Like, I I don't need to hear, uh, you know, Mark and Ala love the Sixers every game because I get it. I know. I love that they do a great job. Not not my complaint, you know? But especially since we're going to talk about stuff, sometimes I, want, you know, I don't want to listen to the other teams broadcast, but at least get a national perspective on what's going on. Yeah. You know, find out about some of these players maybe I don't know so well, like bench players on other teams, stuff like that. So it's almost like work, I guess. But at the same time, it's just like also just something different to do. Doris Burke, like you know like two or three years ago when it was like, Oh my god, like a woman's gonna get to broadcast games it's like awesome, like fantastic. Dude, like this isn't blowing smoke. Like there are so many women that know basketball. There are so many women that know basketball way better than I do, and way better than you do. And I'm sure Doris Burke knows basketball better than us. I'm not even gonna try to argue that. Oh yeah, but she sucks at announcing. She was a great sideline reporter. She's got a handle, yeah. but, like, she's just not good having to talk for that long. I'm sorry. Maybe that's not your skill sometimes. Like, you know, I can talk all day, and maybe some people don't think it's good, but I'm pretty sure I'm good at it. I can never shut the fuck up um, so much yeah. that I'm trying to make a career out of it. Uh, Doris Burke can't do that. And what was driving me crazy amongst all the other things, it's like obviously she's going to have – her biases, and she's gonna have, you know, she's got relationships with a lot of these guys, and those things tend to come through sometimes, and that's fine either way. And I don't know how much uh, she has with Philadelphia, and I'm wondering if that maybe creates some of the bias because I don't really think that she has much connection with anybody here no. or any kind of sources or or, or much here. But dude, when, when, you know, you mentioned that the Nets being down, you know, like 22 late in the fourth quarter, and all she's talking about is. You have to be impressed with the Nets' resilience, and you have to be impressed with their effort and how they've hung in here tonight. It's like, shut the fuck up. They're losing by a lot. Can you just give the Sixers, who are the team that's winning, some credit? Can you talk about Joel Embiid being in the MVP race? Can you talk about Ben Simmons for Defensive Player of the Year? And it's not like these are things that you should have to go out of your way to do. Like, Yes, was it yesterday, or the day before or, or both days where we were dealing with the entire fucking jazz media mafia talking about uh Ben Simmons all like going out of his way to talk about himself Ben Simmons didn't like, volunteer to go on the jump with Rachel Nichols on ESPN, the same platform that Doris Burke is working for. Like, they reach out to these people and get them on. So Rachel Nichols has Ben Simmons on the jump and is asking him about his defense and is yeah. asking him about Defensive Player of the Year. And you expect a number one overall pick, rookie of the year, all-defensive team, multiple-time all stars to go up there and say, no, I don't think I'm the Defensive Player of the Year. What?! What the fuck are we talking about? So, like, ESPN has has literally just reached out to get Ben Simmons on to talk about this, and Doris Burke can't find a way to, like, you know, she could have plugged that. She could have been like, oh, yeah. look at Ben Simmons playing this. By the way, Rachel Nichols had Ben Simmons on the jump, if you haven't seen this. Like, that's the whole point of ESPN, is to cross-promote content. The ne- yeah, the networking within the network. networks
1: right there. Yeah. Maybe uh, Doris Burke, she, um, maybe we should start calling her, like, a... Doris Collingsworth. Because there's a lot of... I'm lot not calling of her anything
0: because I don't need to be canceled. I'm just yeah. asking her politely to shut the fuck up. Yeah. And that's all
1: I have. Just everything you said, that's how I feel with, like, Chris Collingsworth. <laughs> like, a Now, lot, here's a guy. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, look, and, uh, you know... You know, Ezekiel Elliott, look at that run. He's just there's a guy that's strong. It's and it's like, dude, he just lost five yards on a play. <laughs> like we're gonna you're gonna admire how yeah, big his thighs yeah, yeah, are yeah. now.
0: Yeah, but you like, got Chris Collins versus a goat just for the yeah, and, um, <laughs> when Brady fumbled it. So Yeah, and um We'll always hold a dear place on so my So heart, you're but. saying
1: less Doris Burke and more since, uh, Cynthia Coopers of the world, right?
0: Anybody. Like uh like TNT has had um Yeah, it's, is, it, it's, is it Candace? There's Candace Parker's. One oh on oh too. yeah, Candace Parker. Like Candice Sin- Parker his ball. She's going at Shaq. She's talking about like zone yeah. schemes and Shaq's like, oh, well, you just have to feed the big man. She's like, that's not the game anymore, dude. Like yeah. she's schooling Shaquille
1: O'Neal in basketball.
0: Like, yeah, I know it C- exists. Yeah,
1: Cynthia Cooper, you know, also uh, called him out. He's like, like, dude, like you couldn't fucking make free throws either. Like really? <laughs> like we're gonna. So yeah, so so again,
0: there are there are plenty, plenty of qualified people. Doris Burke, to me, is not one of them. I'm sorry. Joel Embiid for MVP. Yep. So, as you probably know right now, the consensus seems to be on, on Nikola Jokic. And, you know, I'm not going to go into a whole Jokic thing, but it's 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 justified. Jokic has an MVP. Like, he's, he's a candidate for sure. I know you're not a betting guy, but humor me. I have the MVP... Race up right now on DraftKings. Use code TBPN. Jokic is the favorite. Who do you think is second?
1: Who do I think is second? Is it? It's not like Kawhi, is it? It's not. Kawhi it is. Tenth? Okay, I definitely overreach. I figured it's probably someone. Dude, it's Joel. Oh, it is. It's Joel, and I it's oh wow, and it's okay. not
0: it's not close to. So Jokic is about a two to one favorite, and Embiid is about a two to one dog. So Jokic is minus two twenty five. Okay. So for if you don't understand betting, minus two twenty five means you'd have to put up two hundred twenty five bucks to win a hundred. So like, you know, he's the favorite, and Embiid is only plus two forty, which means if you put up a hundred, you win two forty. It's not a big underdog at all. The next closest is Giannis and Harden tied at plus twelve hundred. Wow, this is a two man race. Considering Harden's not even available right now, yeah, this is a two man race. And Embiid is very much back in it. So, and again, this is this is my favorite thing about being a betting guy and knowing betting and everything. You can talk about all the the media narratives that you want and all those things. Vegas is what knows. They're always right. They always Vegas know. is always right. Yeah. So while Embiid is not the favorite, he is very much in it, and he is the only person that I think you could bet on right now that's worth anything. Because there's no value in Jokic at more than a two to one favorite, and none of these other guys are gonna win it. So at this point, either you've hopefully got Jokic at a good number early or or you got Embiid at a good number early and you held on to it because he's right in it. Yeah, I think I got Embiid at, like, plus 1,200 or so, so, like, still great value on that right now. So, uh, in your opinion, I guess I should – here's how I'll put it. In your opinion, and especially now, and thoughts and prayers and, and pour one out, because this really does suck, Jamal Murray, ACL, out for the year. I don't know if you saw the – I. Yeah, everyone,
1: I, sucked, that's all man. I saw. Like, it was really, really bad. I'm like, all right, I want to try to avoid it. I problem. really
0: like Jamal Murray, man. As much as I hate Jokic, yeah. I really like Jamal Murray, so that sucks. And, like, Jamal Murray, was it last year's postseason that he was just an absolute fucking monster? Yeah. Like, he was so much fun to watch. So that sucks. Here's here's my case for Embiid's MVP. Well, I'll ask you for yours first, because I don't, I don't want to uh, handle your answer. So what do you think it takes... For Embiid plus the Sixers, you know, however you determine the MVP, what do you think it takes for him to win the award over Jokic?
1: For him to win the award over Jokic, I'm thinking... I think it's going to take for him to play almost every game left on the schedule. We know that's not going to be the case, but that's the type of thing they hold against Embiid and, you know, other players as well. And he might have to just go on a bit of a... um, like a hot streak where he's just putting up like 30 and 15 every night or something like that. Like, um but with that said, I mean, there's a chance where he can kind of just, I mean, get some nasty numbers. Cause the rest of our schedule, I mean, there's going to be a lot of favorable matchups for Embiid. So, I mean, if he can put up the points, we finish, like I said earlier, we finish number one seed. We get 60 wins. Well, I don't think we're going to get 60 wins, but, you know, be that as if we have like the best record in the NBA, let's just say, and beats just finishes just the regular season strong just because historically, a lot of times he doesn't finish the end of the season. But I think if we have that, um, and, and Denver, if because they're only fourth right now, right?
0: The last time I remember, yeah, seeing, I think they're I, I fourth, fourth. So uh,
1: um, the
0: Nuggets are fourth, yeah, they are three games behind the Clippers for three third and they are a game ahead of the lakers for fifth so and now without jamal murray i mean it's pretty impossible to imagine them climbing yeah and depending on when ad and lebron get back they could fall out of the top four and that's really what it comes down to for me is that if they're not a top four seed i know people are gonna like now people are gonna take it easy on them because of the murray injury sorry you want to be the mvp You need to be good enough to hold on to the four seed. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter what else happens. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to do that. You can't have the MVP in the bottom half of the West. It's fucking bullshit. Embiid needs to take the Sixers to the one seed, which I think he will. But then, let me ask you, Steve. Here you go. Points per game this season, who do you think averages more? Embiid? Yep. Rebounds per game, who do you think averages more?
1: Embiid. Mm
0: -hmm. Blocks per game, who do you think averages more? Embiid. Mm Embiid. Better free throw shooter? Oh, Embiid. They're exactly the same. But Jokic, only 4.8 attempts per game versus Embiid's 11.6 per game.
1: Yeah. I'm mean, Sorry,
0: it's not, it's not really, you know, the, the biggest thing is that Jokic has played 18 more games. And that's great. He's played 18 more games. It doesn't make him more valuable.
1: No. I mean, if, if they were the number one seed, then sure. Mm-hmm. But I mean statistically with him
0: playing fifty five all fifty five fucking games of the four seed.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Come on.
1: I I mean Yeah. Yeah. And I mean just hold I mean the only thing that Jokic probably has over Embiid is, what assists per game. Yeah, I mean he's I mean he's yeah. I mean the average
0: is almost nine. It's fucking crazy. Yeah,
1: it's it's ridiculous. Like, sure, I'll give him that. Absolutely. But uh you know? He's
0: actually has a significantly higher uh, field goal percentage, efficient field goal percentage, assists, and steals.
1: But okay,
0: he's good. It's not like yeah, he's is, really good. This is the yeah. annoying part. Is like, like everyone acts like because Sixers fans are going to defend you Embiid that they're Jokic haters, and it's like Jokic is really good. And if we're being honest, if Jokic was on this team, I think we're as good, maybe. There's, there's a world where maybe we're better just because the overall talent here is so good, and Jokic yeah. could probably make it all better as a playmaker than Embiid does. But then it's like, do you really trust going to Jokic, you know, possession after possession late in the game for a basket, you know, or you know for a stop. in stop. teams? Well, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But, but, yeah. So, I mean, there's obviously, you know, ups and downs to both. But, um, you know, to really wrap this up, my, my thought is that because of the fact that I believe we'll the Sixers will finish with the one seed. And as we just discussed, I think there's a very real chance that the Nuggets fall to the bottom of the West.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm just saying plus 240 is a nice number, everybody. That is not one of my NBA plays for tonight, but it's great futures play. But the non-betting guy, I'm endorsing it. So tomorrow night, Clippers are in town. It seems like everybody should be available on both sides. I haven't heard anything. I think Tobias is quite... Obviously, George Hill is out for us. Uh, I think Tobias and Dwight Howard were the two questionable ones I saw as of now. And I don't know the Clippers. I know they're without Pat Beverly, I think, broke something. But as far as a Kawhi, Paul George, and that, like they all should be available for the most part. Another good test. This one's at home, thankfully. So... Again, being that uh, the Nets are going to play the Hornets at home. So, this is, I feel like this mm. is just as much must win as, as Wednesday was. Yeah. Uh, everybody should be able to go. Your thoughts on a matchup with the Clippers tomorrow night and what, what you're looking for?
1: I'm looking for a big Joel Embiid game. I mean, if we beat right. Kawhi and uh, playoff P at home, mm. I mean, it, it, you know, it could be one of those games where, you know, when the national guys or these writers talk about, uh, you know, MVP, like this could, you know, this could be one of those games where maybe that turns some of the, uh, you know, those who vote for MVP, that turns their heads like, wow, like they got the, you know, they're coming off number one seed again the season series against Brooklyn. Now they beat the Clippers, you know. I mean, there's there's that potential there. so. Got yeah, I really, A lot of scoreboard watching for the next few weeks.
0: I want to see Ben Simmons defend Kawhi Leonard for every minute that they're on the floor together. Yeah, That's what I want. I like it. That's my biggest thing. I know that there have been games this season where Doc has not put Ben on that kind of guy. We, we saw Beal go for over 50, and everyone was like, oh, why didn't Ben stop him? And Doc came out and said, like, that wasn't our game plan. Tonight. Like, we didn't match Ben up against him. We had Ben. Floating, hovering on other guys, blah, 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 blah. Tomorrow night, I want Ben Simmons on Kawhi Leonard for, if not all of his minutes, almost all of his minutes. Tobias Harris can guard Paul George. I don't I don't really give a shit. Danny Green can probably guard Paul George, you know, whatever you have to do. Ben Simmons on Kawhi Leonard for at least 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's what I need. I need yeah. to see that tomorrow. And let's entertain the idea that Ben Simmons... Is is aggressively about this Defensive Player of the Year award to a point that maybe is too much? Again, I don't feel that way. Let's entertain the idea. Sure. If that's the case, then he better go up to Doc Rivers and be like, "He's mine." Yeah. This is the type of game that can win you that award. Yeah. Because like who like who is like the most unguardable player in the league? It's a like Kevin Durant. LeBron James, Kawhi right. Leonard, like yeah. he's he's arguably, if not one, in the top three. You have to do it. Yeah, you have to go out there and shut him down because, like you said, playoff P, playoff yeah. P ain't winning this fucking game for you, buddy. No, and you need it. That's no. what I want.
1: So yeah, now, now that you mention it, I think that this game is going to be more important for Ben wanting defensive player a year than MB, you know, needing the MVP. I I. I I mean, it could. I mean, both can happen,
0: but it, it's very close. I, I think you could make the case for both because it's going to be a huge statement win. Yeah, as, assuming that Kawhi and Paul George play, which it looks like they will. So yeah, I mean, you're not going to have any. Oh, you didn't face Durant, you didn't face Harden. I was like, no. Like the Clippers, while I think they're like third in the West, like they've kind of just been coasting. We know like they're they're the type of team that it doesn't really matter what seed they are. They're going to be given a pretty good shot at the title, uh, regardless. So like it that's it's a it's a big oh. game it's a
1: big game and it's a big win and do you think the you know doc going against his former team is that going to matter or do you think we're already well past that the only thing i'll say about that is that
0: fortunately uh for him you know he got he got a little bit of a peak as to what i mean that roster hasn't changed that much since last year
1: Right, yeah.
0: And so Doc wasn't, was only there for that year, but Doc does have an idea of what those guys like to do. I'm sure he had a lot of conversations with, you know, Paul George and Kawhi, especially, um, about, you know, what they want to do and everything. And again, I, 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 I'm actually still surprised that it doesn't seem like there's been that much that's ever come out as to, you know, what really caused the separation there or if there was any issue with any of those relationships. Cause again, you know, we talk about like LeBron being like a de facto GM and in, in, in with the Lakers and yeah. stuff, like, for the price that the Clippers paid for Kawhi and Paul George, like it has to be kind of the same idea. Like, if those yeah. guys want something, they're going to get it. So, I think if they wanted Doc Rivers as the coach, he's still there. So, yeah. Clearly, I Really, mean, there's got to hey, be something. So, what you're learn.
1: saying is Doc is just not good with computers. So, him and Kawhi Leonard just didn't go together. <laughs> that is not what I'm saying at all, but it's probably true. Yeah. There's
0: probably he's definitely some truth he's to not that. not a human. Um, so I have a rotation proposal that I, that I did actually tweet today to somebody. So I didn't really make it like public, public, but I did put it out there. You told me you had, uh, I guess, like a change of heart on Ben Simmons is maybe the way to put it. Do you wanna do you want to give that first, or do you want me to pitch you my proposal for a rotation? Why don't you make your pitch first? All right, So Make sure you start workshopping this this Ben Simmons thing so that it's it's smooth when we get to it, but. My thought on the rotation is this. Uh, We're still waiting on – oh, wow. Uh, Sorry, but this just came up. Uh, Uh James Wiseman for the Warriors, the rookie center, is out for the rest of the season. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah, thoughts and prayers. Uh, Uh, Anyway, on to the uh, title contending Sixers. My thought for the rotation. Seth Curry has been disappointing for quite some time now. And it's not that I think he's still not valuable or that they don't need what he does. But, hear me out. You know who's been really good starting, but not super great off the bench? Mm. Does it uh, rhyme with uh, Turk? Yeah. Okay. Farrakhan Korkmaz, as a starter, has been awesome this season. And, yes, getting the play with Tobias and Ben and Joel Embiid and Danny Green will do that to you. But still it's very clear that he's really good with the starters and that his skill set fits really well with them. Because not only does what he does work with them, but they have all the pieces to cover up what he's not good at. Because what happens right now is whenever you see Furkan have a really, in my opinion, when you see Furkan have a very bad game, It's because he's being asked to go out with a second unit and and basically be, like, there's too many times where he's an initiator, where he's a facilitator, where he's dribbling way too much, Yeah, and it's not what he's supposed to be doing, and like people will talk shit on it and be like, oh, he can't do that, and it's like, well, he can do it, he's better than I thought he probably ever would have been at it, but that doesn't mean you're good at it, and it doesn't mean that's your role, and that's okay. It's not his fault that that's not his role. It's the fault of Doc Rivers putting him in that role. And it's the fact that they don't really have other bench guys that can do it either. And he's at least the one trying and the one capable of trying. Because Matisse Stiebel can't fucking dribble or create. No. And Tyrese Maxey can't really do anything right now at a level, uh, at, at a playoff basketball level for sure that is. Again, I'm I'm very big on Maxey and I, and I think he'll be great. But he's not playable f- for me really the rest of the season. No. So you have George Hill, who's injured, and you have Shake Milton, who has shown the ability to score 35 and the ability to uh, not actually be on the court, even though he's physically on the court. Yeah. So my thought is if you start Furcon, you then are able to have Seth Curry on your bench, which means that you have the potential bench lineup of George Hill, Shake Milton, Seth Curry, Dwight Howard. And while it seems a little... Light with the with Hill, Milton, and Curry, you have the ability, especially in the playoffs, when you're stretching guys' minutes out, to like move pieces around and maybe, uh, you know, one, you're gonna always be able to fill that that fifth slot with either Ben Simmons or Tobias Harris, who's a very multifaceted, yeah. can cover different people, has enough size and athleticism to do a lot of things that you need, but also like you know, hopefully. Uh, I forget who said this on, on Twitter, but I thought it was a really good point. Was that the one? The one shining light about the uh, it's been it's been very stressful that Doc Rivers has played so many all bench units this season. It's been a big topic of conversation. Yeah, but the one thing that's been good about that is it means he's also been playing a lot of all starters lineups, which is letting those guys work together as much as possible when you're not really able to practice very much, when this is the first season that they're all together. So, like, you're emphasizing that as well. So I get it. But I think that if you were to just start Furkan, and this is not a bit, and have Seth Curry as a guy, you know, like, let's say your first, like, the, the first substitution is always Shake Milton. Right. But what if it wasn't? What if the first substitution was you take out Danny Green and you bump Furkan up to the three and Seth Curry comes in at the two. You can definitely get away with that. You still have Ben Simmons, you still have Tobias Harris. You're still plenty big. You have Curry as your smallest guy who's an average defender. You have Furkan who's 6'7 with a big wingspan and has become at least an average defender. And then you have three guys that can really defend. And you can start mixing and matching from there. Then if you take Ben out at that point and bring in Shake as like the next guy, then all of a sudden Shake, Seth, Furk. Tobias and Bede. Still a normal lineup. Furcon can be a three. You can you can do things like that and get away with it. I really think that it would be a lot more beneficial to them to throw a weak like I'm not even I'm not willing to say that Furcon is a weaker link than Seth Curry, but I'll admit that the average person is going to say that that's the case. So for the sake of that, I'll say throw a weaker link into the starting lineup because it's so goddamn good. And I don't think there's any drop off there, but then the ability to mix and match from there with a guy like Seth Curry coming off the bench, I think creates tremendous value for your team, uh, rather than what that starting five is, where there's really not enough ball to go around for everybody sometimes.
1: Yeah, my only thing to that what is don't do this. I mean, <laughs> no, a- no, I, I just, I mean, this is really going to impact Shake Milton negatively because I, I think they would bring off. They could potentially bring George Hill on before they do Shake Milton.
0: Well, I think they will, and I think they should. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm fine with Shake Milton. I, I'm not like he's not out of my rotation. He's going to play in the playoffs. He's important, but like I like the the burden that has been put on his shoulders for the last two years. Honestly, at this point, has been way too much for him. He's yeah. not that good. He's sorry. just not. I'm sorry. He's not. He's never expected to be. He's a he's a late second round pick. He was a G League player. Like he is far exceeding expectations for himself, and good for him. And I love him, and I'm cheering for him. But like, uh, you know, he is not a sixth man.
1: No, and on and a I championship think
0: what, team, he is not a sixth man.
1: No, um, and I think you know because of that contract we signed him to a few years ago, it's very cap friendly and um, you know, favorable. Um, but. I, I just I feel like people keep expecting him to become better and he's not you know what you're getting in shake so I, I mean don't. he
0: can still get better but yeah what you're getting from him is fine but it's not sixth man worthy is the biggest thing right all right, what is this Ben Simmons thing?
1: Well, I should I should first, yes. Uh, I mean, is there anything else we want to talk about? Because I don't want to end on a negative note.
0: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give uh, some NBA bets for the slate tonight, but that's the last thing we're probably okay. doing. So yeah, it's you're up, buddy.
1: So it's not a take, but I'm starting to entertain a, a paradigm shift. Oh boy, big word, but um, isn't that somebody's finisher in AEW? Yes, is that it Moxley? is. I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually finisher, so.
0: I know you're an AEW guy.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, for the longest time, I've been, you know, one of the biggest Ben Simmons defenders, and people who talk shit on him, I always retaliated because I felt it was my duty to do that as a Sixers fan. Right. And a big fan of Simmons. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's getting harder and harder and harder to That's defend him. Had. So, I'm not saying that I've completely changed my opinion, but I just don't know if I have it in me anymore, man, to defend him. You know? Mm, I don't think
0: you mean this. I'm sorry. I'm calling you on it. I don't think you mean this. I think you're going to defend him. As long as he's here, you're going to defend him. Here's what, what, you you know what, I haven't put this out there yet. I'll give you this. And I'm 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 imagining based on what you're saying, you're going to agree. This summer,
1: Ben for Ben for Steph Curry, yes, 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 yeah, yeah. And I know that's kind of been thrown out there, uh, but yeah, yes. It's just the only reason is just because I the
0: the only reason. There's a lot of reasons.
1: Yeah. Dude. <laughs> well, the only reason of. The main reasons, um, <laughs> no, it's just, I I just don't think you can use the word potential for him anymore.
0: I mean, he's, he's like 24 years old.
1: I know, but <laughs> I feel a lot of times people are quick to point to the age, but. Because that's, it matters with the talk of potential. It matters, but I'm just starting to think, and again, listen, I can go on. Twitter tomorrow and be like, ah, uh, disregard everything I said. I'm an idiot. Yeah, that's pretty much what you know.
0: Brandon After did about the same idea before, mm. which is why I'm kind of projecting you would do the same. Because so, ben, ben is that polarizing. He is that frustrating is. man. I'm there with you. I I, I get it. Like, the problem is every time we have one of these conversations, he shuts us up, and maybe you're just baiting him, and you don't have to say anything because then you wouldn't be baiting him anymore. So maybe that's the case. Yeah. And if you are respect it, but. I I truly believe that he will play to a level again this season that you'll be like, yeah, all right, never mind. Like I'm I'm walking that back a little bit, and it's not, it not the, won't first be the first time. time, and it won't be the last. Yep, time. and
1: I've said it once, say it again. It's good to be wrong, mm-hmm. but I'm not saying I'm changing my mind on Benson. No, 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 no. It's just I'm starting to, you know, look on the other side, you know, of the argument, and it's just. You know, if people want to come at me with Ben, I'm like, okay, I respectfully disagree, but I'm done doing this.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I listen. There's, there's, there's a, there's a very different role you can play in just maintaining your Sixers fandom and and walking that line and believing in the team and not being the extremely online Ben Simmons Avenger. And yeah. there are times where his play causes you do not want to be that guy. And that's completely fair. I, I don't, I can't, I'm not going to give anybody grief for that. Um, I've, I've been there a couple times. I'm, I, I might be kind of there right now, uh, but I'm not all the way there right now. And I, and I still, there's still enough in me that says that, you know, he's, he's due for a real nice stretch. Hey, I think the last, uh, you know, two or three games, he's, he's looked a lot less frustrating than he did for a good stretch. So hopefully yeah. he's maybe on his way out of what I'm hoping was just a, a slump, so to speak. Uh, but, hey, we'll see. Uh, tomorrow night, like I said, I want to see him lock down Kawhi. I don't care if he goes for 8-8-8 eight, eight eight tomorrow night. If he has a good defensive game against Kawhi, I don't care about the rest. Do that. Feed Embiid. Have him punish Zubach or whatever the fuck that is. That guy. That guy. and And get a W. Get a W. Keep the one game lead on the Nets because I don't feel like dealing with the Seesaw anymore. Zubach. Maybe maybe Gordon Hayward comes through for us down in Charlotte. I'm not counting on it, but I mean it'd be cool if you did. It'd be real cool if it'd be a lot cooler if you did. Yeah. <laughs> but uh we're gonna wrap this up with uh three NBA plays for tonight. Uh if you're watching this live, these plays will still be available. They are for the later games tonight. Uh I know one of them's at like ten. Let me just make sure I have the Slate for tonight up. So, yeah, uh, uh, one is for the Warriors game, which starts in five minutes. So, uh, let's get to it. So, this is uh, brought to you by our friends at Steady Picks. Visit www.steadypicks.com and become a member today. A Steady Picks membership is only $20 per month and gives you all the tools you need to become a better sports better. Use promo code radio. For 50% off your first month and follow us on social media at SteadyPix for daily updates. Enjoy listening to Steady Picks Radio and be sure to head over to SteadyPicks.com and sign up today. So fun story with Steady Picks Radio. Uh, we are starting on April 26th, which is not this upcoming Monday, but the following. And every day, Monday through Friday, all day, you will uh, find several shows being hosted by uh, some of the experts at Steady Picks. one of them being myself. So every single weekday, Monday to Friday, at 9 a.m. and at 4 p.m., you will have my Nothing But Net NBA betting show, uh, giving you all my plays and picks for each night's NBA slate. So uh, there will be plenty of promotion about that coming up over the next week or so. Uh, with links, ways you can bookmark that and get to it. The easiest way would be to follow Steady Picks on Twitter at Get Steady Picks. And in honor of that, uh, I'm going to give three NBA plays tonight, and I'm also going to do a test run of the show tomorrow, uh, Friday the 16th. So if you are available at 9 a.m. or at 4 p.m., that episode will air. I will run through the entire Friday night's run of games and give. Tons of plays, insights on uh, some of the lines, anything that's available at the time, so make sure that you check that out. I'll make sure to tweet that link out tonight and tomorrow. For tonight, if you're watching live, you still have four minutes to get this bet in. Steph Curry over 33.5 points. This is the highest over of a single player's points that I would ever put money on, but I got to tell you, I think it's a lock. He's done this in six of seven. The only time he didn't, he put up 32 in a loss against the Wizards. It's Steph Curry. Uh for the month uh for like the last month, I believe he's averaging thirty-nine or something like that. He's on an absolute tear and they're playing Cleveland. You know he's gonna jack shots up. We just got the news about Wiseman, so that's just yet another mouth not to feed. So Steph Curry's gonna have to just throw him up. Shot fifty percent from three over like the last thirty days or something. It's crazy on like six point seven attempts per game. He's he's the greatest shooter of all time.
1: Yeah, hands down. No and, and people who thought that yep. he
0: fell off are being are being proven incredibly wrong this season because with absolutely no help he's playing out of his mind and trying to keep the Warriors in the picture in the West. So Steph Curry over thirty three and a half. Simply because you don't bet against a guy this hot until he actually fall you know, until he actually goes cold. So I'm riding with it. Again, he's done this or better in six of seven, uh, several of those being forty and fifty point games. So uh, thirty-three point five against Cleveland seems pretty easy. Buddy Healed over fifteen and a half points. This is for a ten o'clock game tonight. Uh, I think it's Kings and Suns. He's done this in four of his last five. The only game in that five game span that he didn't. He put up 15, so a half point off in a loss to Detroit and off shooting night. He averages more than this over his last 10 and for the entire season. So I think that this number uh, is way too low. I'm not sure what it is. I think they're giving credit to the Suns' defense and the slow pace that they play at, which is fine, but the Kings play at an absurd pace and put up a ton of points. So there has to be a balance there, and Buddy Healed hitting his regular season average seems pretty easy to me. Last one I'll give you, Celtics-Lakers tonight. Celtics are on the road at L.A. They are a six-point favorite, and I am taking them to cover. Even though they are on the road, the Lakers just came home from a seven-game road trip, so they're not exactly well-rested and have been hanging around. They just got back and now have to face a hot Boston team coming in without LeBron and Anthony Davis as well. The Celtics have won four straight games, and they've won their last four on the road. They've also covered the spread. The last four times that they faced the Lakers. So those are my NBA plays for tonight, especially the Steph Curry one. Go get that in right now if you're watching. And the others you still have some time if you're watching live or possibly listening to those before those games come out. But thanks to Steady Picks for that. And again, make sure that you're following them at Get Steady Picks on Twitter. And again, April 26th, the start of Steady Picks Radio. There will be several shows throughout the day talking a number of different sports: baseball, basketball, hockey. Um, All the major events in golf and UFC, everything along those lines. And then obviously come football season, we will have plenty of content for that. And you can especially expect big things from me there uh, for anybody who's followed me for the past two years uh, with football betting stuff. So, Steve, anything else before we wrap this up tonight?
1: Well, uh, Monday, April 26th is uh, also, do you know the other reason why we want to celebrate and hang out for that day?
0: No. Pretty big
1: holiday. I wake up every morning in a bed that's too small, oh drive my, my daughter God. to a school that's too expensive, then I go to work for a the job that I get paid t- too little. little, but on Pretzel Day, well, None of that I matters. like Pretzel Day. And you Gotta get, get a free works. pretzel from the uh, Philly Pretzel Factory, Ooh. you know, every year on uh, Pretzel Day, so, right. you know, so... Just uh, stupid information you didn't need I'm to know.
0: Write that down so that I know. Thank you for that, Steve. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's it. Again, AC Bear Fest coming up. You can still get tickets. Uh, we'll probably have some sort of giveaway or anything like that. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code TBPN uh, to help support the podcast. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, Viget. Uh, use code PPN if you sign up for that. And Steady Picks, of course, uh, bring you the NBA plays for tonight. So thanks, everybody, for listening. For Steve, I'm Dan, and trust the podcast.